Ohio State has one loss. Alabama has two. It's not that complicated, I don't think, in the eyes of the committee. Two is greater than one. Therefore, Alabama, according to the committee, needs to be behind Ohio State. I get it. I think it's probably frustrating. Hello, welcome in. Today is probably the most anticipated Wednesday, eh, maybe, in the history of always college football. Why? Because our rankings released today, well, our reaction to last night's release, it's pretty strong. I feel pretty good about it. I really do. I think that there are some egregious mistakes made by the committee. We'll get into them here in just a minute. The fact that there was a team that lost last weekend to an unranked team that dropped one spot. That's pretty pretty interesting, uh, or at least an unranked team at the time. You probably know who I'm talking about. We'll discuss it. By the way, there was another team that dropped like nine spots uh, after losing to an unranked team. So a lot of issues with this week's version of the College Football Playoff Committee rankings. We'll also go through what everybody wants to talk about. Did they get it right? Five, six, seven, we'll tell you in a moment. And we're going to talk about how some of the reaction surrounding Ryan Day is just completely, completely outlandish. You're going to want to stick around for that because some of the comparisons being made to a previous Ohio State head coach are completely unfair. We'll discuss that here in just a minute, but let's kick it off like we always do on Wednesday with some college football playoff rankings release reaction. All right, another week, another day to just absolutely tear into the college football playoff rankings. That's what we intend to do here tonight. We always kind of, we always try to be very understandable. Any of you, like we've said from the beginning, go through and list. Seriously, do, do us all a favor. Go through and list all the different teams in a 1 through 25 order. It's really difficult. You're going to have contradictions. You're going to have things in there that you're probably going to have a difficult time justifying. But ultimately, it's a thankless task. And we start this show as often as we can by telling the committee, thank you for what you do for college football. It's not easy and we appreciate you very much. But come on. like Give me a break. All right, let's start with where they did things right. Okay, Georgia one, Michigan two. There was no need, even after last week's performance, given what Michigan played in the non-conference, there's absolutely no need whatsoever to move Michigan ahead of Georgia. The other thing too, honestly, it doesn't matter that much, right? I mean, basically the one difference would be Georgia might go to Phoenix or whatever it is, regardless of the results this weekend. Like, they, who knows? Shuffle them up. Doesn't matter. But if you have it this way, for instance, you have Georgia 1, you have Michigan 2, you have TCU 3, you have USC 4. Well, in the event that USC loses, we all assume just everybody slides on up, right? In comes USC. If Michigan's on the one line, you have a rematch in the first round of the playoffs. And that's not anything that anyone really wants. So I think that we're seeing them do a, the right thing by putting Georgia on the one line, Michigan on the two line. Either way, I think Georgia has a better resume especially with what's happened with South Carolina the last couple of weeks. I think Georgia has a better resume than Michigan, so it's not really worth discussing anyways. They also have a win against Tennessee, who's seven Michigan's best win outside of Ohio State would be Penn State. Penn State's right behind, so it doesn't matter. You're splitting hairs. One Georgia, two Michigan, three TCU. I think all three of those teams, regardless of the outcome of this weekend's games, 
are in the college football playoff. Assuming there's not some ridiculous blowout, a la a 59-0 drubbing, right? If Kansas State comes out, Kansas State, by the way, number 10 in the college football playoff committee rankings. How they're 10, I don't know. They should be higher, but that's a conversation for just a moment. Kansas State sits there at number 10. If they dominate TCU, let's say they win handily. Let's say they win 49-21. I still think TCU's in. I still do. Even if they lose by four touchdowns, I still think TCU's resume is pretty dang strong. It's very strong, right? Win against Texas. They've already beaten Kansas State, a team they're going to get a chance to play again this week. So there are things that you look at when it comes to TCU. I think they're in a pretty good spot. All right, moving on to team number four. Winning your NSC, simple as that. You got Utah. Utah's at number 11 right now. You take care of business on Friday night. You are golden, okay? No need to even discuss any other angle. You are golden. Now, I'm sure you guys that have followed the West Coast, and I'm sure that you know me, I'm a conspiracy theorist, okay? <laughs> you ready for this one? Stay with me. Stay with me for this, okay? SC should get in regardless of the outcome on Saturday. Whoa, hang on a second. Hang on a second. He did he just say that? No, I obviously don't think that, okay? I think that's ludicrous. I think that's absolutely bonkers. If USC goes out and gets beat this weekend, they are out of the college football playoff, okay? Simple as that. But here's the argument. If you really want to see USC in the college football play, you want to see them in the four spot, you want to see them in, here's the argument you need to use. Well, here's our 12-game sample size. Here it is right here. And look where we're ranked. We're ranked number four, right? That means we're the fourth best team through 12 games. Well, how do we stack up against the other teams that have played 12 games? Well, Ohio State, they've played 12 games. They sit at five. Bama, they've played 12 games. They sit at six. Tennessee, they've played 12 games. They sit at seven. They don't have to play this weekend. They don't have to put their reputation on the line this weekend. So if you want to make a case on behalf of USC, it's exactly how you do it. You say, hey, should the conference championship game really matter? Because the teams that we're getting measured against, guess what? They're kicking back with their feet up this weekend. Well, we're having to go out and grind for a victory. I think there's an argument to be made for USC. Now, I don't subscribe to that theory, but if you want to make it, if you're bold enough, go for it. All right? There's your playbook. Go use it as you will. Ohio State, Bama, and Tennessee. Ohio State, Bama, Tennessee, in that order, right? That's the way the committee decided. Now, I don't have a huge issue with it. I personally have always valued head-to-head -head more than anything else. That, to me, is the most important differentiator when trying to decide who should be ahead of who, okay? In this particular case, I understand that Tennessee has beaten Alabama. If Tennessee had been ahead of Alabama, I would have absolutely no issue. But the problem is Tennessee also had a really bad loss and a loss in which they looked completely disjointed with what they did on the defensive side of the football and giving up the worst 
performance by a mile that they've had all season against a team in South Carolina, who at the time was unranked. It looked much worse a couple weeks ago. Doesn't look as bad today. South Carolina, after the win against Clemson, slid up all the way into number 19. Top 20 football team. You go on the road to Williams-Brice, tough place to play. You lose by a handful, it happens. It's no shame in that. It happens. Okay? But I have a difficult time unseeing that performance. And I look at Bama, and while they've had some close victories, they've had handful of very close calls. They found a way to win. They've also found a way to lose, a couple as well. Tennessee deserves immense credit, as does LSU, for getting the win. But Bama's games were close, and they've been competitive in every single game. That's not the case for every team that we're going to discuss throughout the course of these rankings. So Bama being at six, I'm totally good with it. It's fine. Totally fine with me. Tennessee being at seven, I have no issue. Ohio State being at five, I have no issue as well. Here's why. Y'all, we have to treat this a little bit like a courtroom, right? You have to make a case on behalf of a certain team. You have to make a case against a certain team. We're both going to present an argument, and the committee is going to be the judge and jury. Okay, so that's the way it has to be. And in the courtroom, we have to rely on precedent. And we've talked about this before. I've used that word a lot, precedent. Now, people are saying four best. Doesn't matter. Four best. You lose by two, three touchdowns at home, doesn't, you're out. Fine. I get that. Totally get that. But there is some precedent. If you look back at 2017, 2017 is the year in which there's real precedent that's been made in this regard. Alabama lost to Auburn by 12. Okay. They lost in the final game of the regular season. By 12. It was not a pretty performance. It was not a good performance whatsoever. They looked awful, to be completely honest. Absolutely awful in the 2017 edition of the Iron Bowl. They fell as a result of that performance. They fell after their 11-0 start. They dropped four spots in the rankings. They dropped all the way to number five. They were number one going into the game. They dropped all the way to number five. Okay? Then you fast forward into the next week. This, that was the penultimate ranking. Fast forward to the next week. Ohio State, who had two losses at the time, they win the Big Ten. And the big argument became, do you take Alabama as an 11-1 conference runner-up? Or do you take Ohio State an 11-2 conference champion? Well, Ohio State didn't look super dominant in the Big Ten championship game. They went out and they beat Wisconsin 27-21. It was a good performance. They won the game. But ultimately, the committee decided that one loss for Alabama was not as bad as the two losses that Ohio State suffered. That, I think, is exactly what's going on right now as well. Ohio State has one loss. Alabama has two. It's not that complicated, I don't think, in the eyes of the committee. Two is greater than one. Therefore, Alabama, according to the committee, needs to be behind Ohio State. I get it. I think it's probably frustrating. You could also use a little bit of precedent as well, dating back to the 2016 college football playoff rankings. What happened that year? Ohio State was 11-1. Team that beat them, Penn State, 11-2. Penn State won the Big Ten. Guess what? Ohio State finished the season at number three. They were in the college football playoff. Penn State finished the season at number five. They were out of the college football playoff. Why? Because they had two losses. 
It's as simple as that. And I think that there's going to be a bunch of Bama fans that will revolt over what came out of the committee last night. But the same thing that you benefited from a couple years ago is now being used against you. And it's a difficult leg to stand on if you're trying to make a case on your behalf. Once you get past that, not as much drama. Here's one issue that I had. Clemson lost to South Carolina last week, right? Didn't look great in the process, especially there in the second half. They lo- they dropped one spot as a result of that performance. Well, Tennessee lost to the same South Carolina team, team that's now ranked in the top 20. Tennessee dropped five spots last week. Tennessee lost on the road. Uh, Clemson lost at home. So you're telling me that Clemson only drops one. Tennessee loses the exact same team on the road, and they only and they drop five. To me, seems a little bit ridiculous. Clemson, I think, should have dropped significantly further. And the fact that Clemson still sits four spots ahead of Washington brings me back to the first rankings. It's like, man, what is it that they see in Clemson outside of their track record and history that has impressed them? Because I see a team that's been pretty good on defense most of the year, but they've also had a couple of games where they weren't great on that side of the ball, a la the Wake Forest game. And we know Wake Forest just locked the Duke last week, so Wake Forest isn't anything special. Like Wake Forest tore them up. I'm not sure what the committee sees in Clemson. I think they're fine. I think they're a good football team, but I wouldn't have them four spots ahead of Washington, personally. If Clemson and Washington played each other, I think it'd be a pretty good game, to be honest with you. Michael Penix is dealing a really hot hand right now, and that offense against Washington State looked freaking unstoppable. Washington is the most... I think they're the most underrated team personally right now in the rankings. They sit at 12. Kansas State at 10, I would have them ahead of Clemson, but that's only because at 9-3... and three, I can make a case that they could be 10 and 2 if not for the quarterback being hurt, but that would also require me to make a case against TCU. And I won't do that because I love the Horned Frogs. All right. Washington sits at 12. How about the fact that Florida State's at 13? Tell me someone right now that wants to play Florida State. Name one team that would love to play Florida State because I don't know one. That team's playing good football. Good win this past week against Florida. Something they should be very, very excited about. LSU. Oh, boy. What a drop for the Bayou Bengals. You lose against college. uh, You go into College Station and lose fairly significantly to Texas A&M. Next thing you know, from knocking on the door of the playoff to all the way now in the middle of the teens, they sit at 14, a nine-spot drop off the loss last weekend. It's It's hard to push back against it. I mean, it was a sloppy performance. And that's now two of the last three weeks where LSU didn't look great. Three weeks ago, they played against Arkansas. Didn't look great. They obviously really didn't look good this past weekend. Hopefully, they can regroup and provide a little bit of drama in the SEC championship game against the Georgia Bulldogs. Oregon State, my goodness, man. What a great story. All the way up to number 15. Congratulations. What a great win against Oregon. All the way up to number 15. That is incredible. You look at the rest of them. Oregon, UCLA, they finally got something right. The head-to-head, Oregon State, Oregon, right? I was thinking Oregon be ahead of Oregon State. Not so fast, my friend. Oregon's sitting behind the Beavers. That's awesome. Good job on the committee. UCLA is in at 17 after their win against Cal. Tulane, still the highest-ranked group of five team. They'll host the American Athletic Championship this weekend. They're going to be playing against UCF. They're sitting at number 22. Of course, if UCF wins, they'll leap up. They'll go to the Cotton Bowl more than likely to represent the group of five. South Carolina, biggest jump of the week. 
more than likely. <laughs> we don't know for sure because they were unranked last week. Now they sit in the rankings at number 19. Here's a kind of a, a run of important numbers here. You got Texas at 20. That's Bama's best win. You got Notre Dame at 21. That's Ohio State's second best win. And then you have Mississippi State in there at number 24. That's Bama's second best win. So just things that you need to kind of keep into account right there as well. And then finally, why is it that North Carolina only dropped six spots? They've lost two consecutive games, man. I mean, I understand having a number next to your name for the ACC championship, but I wouldn't have them ranked and I wouldn't have NC State ranked. But that's just me. Macro, I got a scenario for you that I have oh, to boy. ask. All right, so we've seen the committee drop teams that have like blowout losses. So what if, like you say, TCU gets their doors blown off by K-State 59 to nothing and Utah dominates USC? Is there any chance in your eyes at that point the committee says, well, okay, we'll just slide up Ohio State to three and Alabama to four? You see that happening under any circumstances? I don't see TCU getting bumped. I think SC would get dropped to a about fifty-nine 15. to nothing loss, though. Like an absolute watershed. What what happened? Moment. Like they just to get destroyed. It, I mean, it could would look a little. So basically, what you're saying is a little bit like when Utah uh, beat Oregon last year, like that one sided. Um, mm -hmm. I think it'd be a really difficult pill to swallow, but you still have to look at the bigger picture. We have to make sure that we guard against being a prisoner of the moment. You have to look at how did the team look over the course of a 12 or 13 game sample size. And if there is a, a hiccup in there once or twice, I can forgive that. For instance, like Ohio State lost by 22. Tennessee lost by 25. I mean, we're talking about significant beatdowns. So, I mean, we're talking about one-sided affairs. In those two games. And it's not like they were, you know, at less than 100%. It's not like CJ Stroud didn't play. It's not like Hendon Hooker didn't play against South Carolina. I mean, it's not like they were completely going into the game with one arm tied behind their back. Like they put their best foot forward and got smacked. So you still have to measure those things out, man. I mean, TCU, okay, they get boat raced in the game. Sure, that's tough to swallow, but can you really justify moving? two other teams in in front of them that also got boat raced. And then a Bama team that has had, yes, a couple of close losses, but also a couple of close wins as well. I think TCU's in the field. I feel pretty strongly about that. But yes, SC would be out as fast as humanly possible in Ohio State, likely based on what we got this past, not, this past rankings release. It does feel like Ohio State is primed and ready to take that playoff spot if, in fact, there's a slip up out west in the Pac-12 championship game. All right, one more, one more. USC loses, TCU slightly loses. Do they drop and just put Ohio State at four so they don't have the Michigan-Ohio State rematch in the semifinals? Probably. Or would TCU, even with a loss, stay at three? I think they'd probably stay at three to avoid the rematch. Um, I'd, I would try to avoid the rematch personally. I mean, I think that'd be beneficial for college football. Uh, I don't know if it makes a huge difference. It really just matters about where you're playing and, and how far you have to travel. But if you're in Ohio, I mean, you can get to Atlanta and you can get to Phoenix fairly easily. I mean, it's not like it's, it's not like you're going to play on the moon, right? I mean, it's, it's doable. So, uh, I don't have, I would avoid the rematch. That would be a high priority for me. And if that requires putting Michigan on the one line and George on the two, 
then so be it. Uh, but ultimately, I, I'm not sure it really matters. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Every college football season, Goodyear knows the importance of winning on the road. The road will always demand confidence, the confidence to handle whatever the journey brings and to perform under tough conditions. And just like the players and the fans of college football, Goodyear is ready. Are you ready for the road? Visit Goodyear.com to find the right Goodyear tires for whatever road you're on this season. Goodyear, more driven. All right, this is we've already talked about Ohio State in that regard as far as the 2022 season is concerned. Let's talk a little bigger picture about the Buckeyes. I've started to see some pretty interesting and strong opinions on whether or not Ryan Day is a real coach or whether or not he's the real deal, whether or not he's any good, all these other things, like all these hot, hot, hot takes. Y'all take a step back for a minute. Let's get away from the emotions of last Saturday's disappointment. Okay, I'm not trying to sit here and say that Ohio State fans need to be thrilled about what they witnessed on the field there in the horseshoe. No, absolutely not. They need to be really upset with the fact that they made their entire offseason and their entire season. It was always about the team up north. We're going to beat the team up north. We've adjusted things this offseason to make sure that we're tougher. We've changed and we've tried to make sure that we're a little more balanced. Like all these different things that they've done. We've gotten a new defensive coordinator. Like, we're going to take care of business this time when we get the chance to have them in our house and we're going to get revenge. All that went by the wayside. I get that. But now, to go as far as to say that Ryan Day is the next John Cooper? I mean, are we are we serious with that? Like, I mean, is that really where we're at? I mean, think about how many coaches, and it, there's a handful, I might add. Think about how many coaches failed before they finally got over the hump, right? And and people have already said, well, you know, he's, he's never played. Well, in 2020, I know it was a weird year. I know people have their own opinions about whether or not they should have been in the national championship game, whether or not they should have made the college football playoff. I digress. They made it in the playoff, okay? And then he won a game in the playoff against what was the number one overall pick, in the Clemson Tigers. And they went on and they played against Alabama. And that Alabama team was extremely good. They came up short. They followed it up the next year. And yes, they lost against Michigan in a difficult game. Michigan went on to get beat badly in the college football playoffs. I get that. All right. And then this year, they also lost to the Michigan Wolverines, the same team. I get it. But think about all the coaches that struggled before ultimately finding success. Now, you're going to say, well, we, what do they matter? What are they? Well, Mac Brown, you realize he won his first two games against Oklahoma, lost five in a row, five in a row against the Oklahoma Sooners before flipping things in 2005 and winning the national championship. He's not the only one. Bobby Bowden. How about the fact from 1986 to 1992, only one, only one time against Miami 
and then bounced back by winning six of seven in a couple of national titles. All right. Also, too, let's look back even a little bit further. If we want to go into the into the dark ages, I guess kind of alongside Bobby Bowden, go look at Frank Beamer's first couple of years when he was in Blacksburg. Go into different sports, I might add. Go and look at what Mike Krzyzewski did early on or what other coaches have done early on. No one's suggesting that at this point, Ryan Day is bound to win six or seven or eight national championships. No, I'm not willing to go that far, but to compare him to John Cooper? Really? Come on, man. Like, this is a guy that's lost two games in two seasons. The guy has won 90% of his football games as a head coach. 90%. Now, you're going to say, well, it doesn't matter. We don't care. It's all about what you do against your rivals. And I don't disagree. I always think that the rivalry game record should be a piece of your legacy. There's no denying that. That needs to be of the utmost importance when evaluating what the coach does at the end of his career. Do you realize that Dabo Sweeney lost how many consecutive years? against South Carolina before he flipped it and won a couple national titles. There are a million examples of guys that early on had their fair share of struggles and or issues with a rival before they got things flipped. How about um, the other side of the rivalry, I might add? How about Jim Harbaugh? How about the fact that Jim Harbaugh, they were going to run him out of town. Oh, and five? 0-5, and would have been 0-6 had the game not gotten canceled in 2020. 0-5 against Ohio State prior to last year breaking through. And now all of a sudden, he's figured it out and Ohio State's forgotten how to win. To me, I think that we've gotten a little bit too overreactionary when it comes to Ryan Day, what kind of coach he is. The guy's phenomenal. He's a phenomenal coach. But give him at least an opportunity to adjust and tweak, just like Jim Harbaugh was given the opportunity to adjust and tweak. I understand how frustrating it must be to lose back-to-back games to your rival. I get that, especially when it's been two decades since you've experienced consecutive disappointments. I get that. But let's not throw the baby out with the bathwater here. Because when you look at what Ohio State's accomplished under Ryan Day's leadership, they have been pretty dang successful. They've put guys into the NFL. They continue to stockpile recruits. It's become a destination in the transfer portal. Guys are going to continue to get drafted in this upcoming draft at several different positions. And, you know, if you need any other information the guy's 45 and 5 in his career as the head coach at Ohio State that includes the three games that he had in the interim back in 2018 remember when Urban was suspended and he was the head coach for the first three games the guy has never lost more than two games in a season that was in 2021 okay so he's been really good And I think that it's easy to get caught up in the moment that is right now. It's easy to get caught up in the emotions 
of the disappointment that you experienced last Saturday. I'm not trying to say that you shouldn't feel a certain way. I want you to. I'm glad you feel strongly about it. But let's not get overreactionary and start comparing Ryan Day to a guy that perennially came up short, or at least felt like always came up short when leading Ohio State there late 80s, throughout the 90s, and then the 2000s. Okay? Ryan Day's going to be just fine. Is he Urban Meyer? Not right now. No, he's not. But he's a lot closer to Urban Meyer than he is John Cooper in my eyes. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. All right. So all that being said a moment ago, Ohio State, just relax, okay? Utah takes care of business this weekend. Ryan Day, the guy that you want, kicked out of town and basically just left in the middle of Ohio, having to walk his way back to the horseshoe. He's in the playoffs. So your national championship hope still very much alive. The problem is Michigan is in the playoff as well, regardless of the outcome this weekend. He might be able to even exercise the demons of Michigan this year. We'll see. All right. All right. We'll do it for us here on a Wednesday edition of Always College Football. Please like, rate, and subscribe. It helps us out. It helps the show out. There's still so many more things we need to get to here this week. Check in tomorrow. We're going to hit and preview all the games here in the next couple of days. So many different games that we need to get to, by the way. Ten conference championship games. There's also a couple teams that need specific outcome in the next couple of weeks to punch their ticket to the postseason. And APR scores. The one time a year we talk about those, they might factor in 82 bowl slots. Right now, only 79 bowl eligible teams. So we have a lot that we need to get to. For all of us here at Always College Football, for Jack, for Jack, for Mark, I'm Greg. We hope you have a wonderful day, and remember, it's Always College Football. Hey guys, it's Greg McElroy. Thanks for watching Always College Football. Make sure you like, rate, and subscribe to ESPN's YouTube channel and wherever you listen to your podcasts.